Good morning. Welcome to Crime Talk BK. And if you were uh, <clears throat> listening, tuned in a little early, you could have also heard us on Race to the Bottom, which is the show that comes before us. That was it. really fun. Good times. Uh, yeah, welcome to the wonderful world of crime. I was actually watching this Keanu Reeves movie last night about him as an assassin. What was it called? The assassin? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't John remember. Wick. Yeah, John Wick. I've, I have it recorded and I have never watched it. It's People are like, you should watch it. Very fun. Mm-hmm. It is about Keanu Reeves, uh, who uh, his dog gets killed and he goes on a murderous rampage. I would too. I mean, there's a bit more than that, but on like the base level, <laughs> the part that brings me joy in this movie is Keanu Reeves flips the fuck out after someone shoots his dog. I would too. Relatable. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be doing um, just a news of the week episode that includes, let me see, fake blood, our mental health system, uh, serial killers. Mm-hmm. You said you had an Epstein update. I have, I have some Epstein updates. Uh, I've got the Chinatown attacker. Um, I've got the, there's a lawyer who, <laughs> this is the funny one, who uh, ended up having a snafu with his Airbnb and ended up sleeping on a park bench. He is one of the most ridiculous lawyers, which we can talk about later. I have had some run-ins with him. Let me see. Uh, I also, I'm hoping I can find this article quickly, but apparently there's a therapist who sued his teenage patient <gasps> for being obnoxious. Okay. <laughs> you I, need to find a new career line if that's... Oh, no. No, this person's in the right. I would totally sue the fuck out of this family. Really? Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Okay. Find the um, article. I want to hear it. I know. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to um, some announcements. Let me see. Oh, no. I don't know where our water bottle is. I have to talk about our water bottle. The me bottle? Yeah, the me bottle. Except I think we're still doing... Yeah, here it is. <clears throat> I'm glad I finally figured out how to pronounce that one. It was very upsetting <laughs> when I was calling it the M-E bottle. <laughs> All right, uh... So after more than a year of dreaming, planning, hitting the grindstone, uh, the Me team is happy to, to um, announce the Me bottle. What's a Me bottle? It is a double insulated, re- reusable stainless steel bottle. Uh, this is the cool part that disinfects water in sixty seconds uh, using UVC LED technology. Try saying that fast five times. Mm. It is 99.99% effective against E. coli. All right, so why is this water bottle so cool? It's because we all drink poisonous swill from the East River. (laughs) No, we don't, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Gawainous Canal for my tea. Yeah, right. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so if you have any concerns about um, your water, I don't know, maybe, I mean, for love of God, we maybe should be concerned. Not like in New York, but you know, you hear about New York has some of the best water in the country. Yeah, but I, Michigan. I know. It's all everybody source. buy one and send it to Flint. No kidding. 
Uh, so the Emmy bottle is really awesome, and we're so happy that they're sponsoring Radio Free Brooklyn. Shout out to the Me Bottle. Everyone should buy one. Live a healthier life. Uh, you can find out more at mebottle.com. That is mebottle.com. My birthday's coming up. Mm-hmm. Loyal uh, listeners of Crime Talk BK, please send. Joanna Perpich and Megan Duffy. A me bottle. A me bottle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that that's... I think we're a little giddy from being up so early. Ah. Oh. Yeah, my mind. Anyway, uh, so do you want to start out while I try to wrangle this therapist sure. article? Um, I'll start out with Epstein since it's right here in front of my face. Um, so uh, last week. Um, one of Jeffrey's accusers filed new court papers identifying multiple women, she says, enabled the wealthy financers' sexual assaults. Sources from NBC News. Um, I'm going to butcher her last name. Jennifer Areos accused uh, four people by name to help facilitate Epstein's abuse of her, which she, since she was 14 years old, naming. Of course, Glenn Maxwell, um, Epstein's longtime companion, and then his former bookkeeper, Rosalind Fontanilla, who has died as of 2016, Leslie Groff, who worked as his personal secretary, and Kimberly Espinoza, a former executive assistant to Epstein, according to court papers obtained by NBC News. Um. The lawsuit also names several companies owned by Epstein. Um, and uh, Arose in the same paper said she was recruited outside her New York City high school by a brunette woman, which is why she named these four women. Apparently, all four of them were brunette. She doesn't really remember which one it was. So, and uh, Arose Areos's attorney, sorry, poor girl. Um, says that he's been trying to serve Maxwell legal papers and he can't find her and Maxwell's attorneys are not accepting service on her behalf. So there's that. Um, update on the money situation. Oh, yes. Yes. So last week also, the New York Times had reported that uh, that after his 2008 arrest, which also coincided with the financial crash and crisis, right? He raked in between 2008 and 2012, $200 million. Yeah. <laughs> so doing what? Right. We're not quite sure. So he started a company. He started out by starting a company called financial trust, which then changed into Southern trust, which you know, it sounds like a financial institution, but it, it's not. It was supposed to be what he calls a DNA data mining service, which, you know, we all know that he was kind of obsessed with a pure human race. I don't know. His, was he into that? I haven't yeah, heard that. He was, he was like eugenics. He was. A, yeah, he was. It's really unfortunate. Gross. Um, and so Southern Trust was trying to gauge customers' predisposition to cancers and other, you know, genetic mm-hmm. dispositions. And then they can find you if they need to blackmail you again. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think I'm starting to imagine um, Jeffrey Epstein is having like this like little police state situation going on on his little pedophile island. Yeah, yeah. Well, he owned. I guess it came out that he owned two, but I I don't two islands, but I only really. I don't even own one. You better get on that. Start saving. (laughs) I'm fair. Um. So, so Southern Trust between 2012 and the time he died raked in another 175 million dollars which is basically just reinvested but he didn't there isn't any record of him investing with any of the big money managers so he did it himself or the money came from you know nefarious sources (laughs) yeah black you know blackmail victims whatever is anyone like or any of these articles straight up saying we don't know where he got his money or like is there are there any light allegations? Well, um, I I was going to dive into it, but um, the New York Times article about the money was just too much for me to process after two old fashions last night. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgive you. Thank you. Um, I can I will add it to my updates uh, next week. Um, they did obtain some brief financial statements, um, which is where they put all of this information together. Um, but they're not, but there's no, they're not reporting who is giving him the money. You know, the, the financial statements don't reflect who or why they were giving him this kind of money mm-hmm. after his conviction in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Sounds suspicious. Suspicious Aloysius over here. All right. <laughs> so, you know, he's, I, I, you know, there, there was, I've been reading all kinds of articles about Epstein himself and how uh, everybody was like, he's so glib and smart and manipulative and he knew exactly how to get people to do what he wanted to do. And, you know, the uber wealthy like to be considered geniuses, you know. It's like, no, it's just money. It's just money. Just because you were born wealthy doesn't mean that doesn't make you a genius. But they also love to live that sort of rich rock star life without the leather pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the girls were just considered like one of his eccentricities. Yeah. Which is so foul, in my humble opinion. Uh, let me see what else I got. I think you know. I'm starting to um, <clears throat> recognize. I'm going to start calling it like the like the Epstein sads, mm-hmm. where every time I really think about Jeffrey Epstein, a part of my soul is just chipped away because it's just so. I mean, we've said it before, but I really do feel like our country lives in this void where only wealth and power matter. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not. I don't get sad. I get rage. Yeah, a little, a little more rage built. That's up probably more um, effective at promoting change. I just want to like go to sleep and wake up in like Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's you know, I have a I, my my cold black car is already dead. So all I have is rage. <laughs> um, I also want to recommend Epstein, the Devil in the Darkness podcast again. Uh, the there was an episode, a special episode. Um, related to uh, the blackmail tapes. Mm-hmm. 
and they they're doing an incredible job reporting on this and they obtained audio clips of interviews with one of the victims that was being interviewed by the Palm Beach Police Department and they interview a former Palm Beach police officer who is since sought and given um asylum in Russia huh. because he believes that uh the FBI and others are hunting him down because he owns as or is in possession of the blackmail tapes and they interview him and it's fascinating so, that's really cool yeah so um it's a great great podcast there's more coming but i think they're up to episode six highly I've recommend. listen to that yep i've been needing a new podcast to be honest and it's great the episodes are like 35 minutes so it's pretty mm-hmm. non-committal yeah mm-hmm. i've been doing a lot of politics podcasts about the impeachment Oh, criming. So much criming. I was too much crime to even deal with this episode. Like that's I mean, there's so much. Yeah, I couldn't eat like it's like a complicated process. And there's so many different branches that are being investigated uh, that we'll, we'll talk about the impeachment in the future. But it really needs its own episode. It really needs its own episode. Giuliani needs his own episode. The Ukraine needs its own episode. So much. Oh, so Lord. much going on. It's exciting. I've we've been cursed to live in interesting times. Uh, anyway, um, I have a lighthearted. Please give me something, something <laughs> to laugh at. All right. So we have a psychiatrist who's suing his uh, client. The Daily News has a very charming headline for this. Quote, prominent psychiatrist at wit's end sues bratty rich kid patient for abuse. <laughs> God nope. bless them. I do love my daily news. This is Stephen Rex Brown and Leonard Green. You guys are awesome. The amount of puns in Mm. the daily news, also the New York Post. Mm -hmm. I just eat it up. I love it. I know they have. I mean, they must hire someone specifically for the puns. And I will say also, uh, I know people who have been stringers for the daily news Mm -hmm. and um, the New York Post, like door knockers. Mm -hmm. They hire kids like straight out of uh, J school, and they're like, okay. We think there might have been a murder on this intersection. Go find stuff out. Right. You know, and you're like 23, like trying to talk to these cops. That's the best way. It's to- hard work. You're like filing it over a text message to the editor. That's how Billy Jensen started. So, yeah. So I always get really excited at these like flashy headlines. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> this is actually like, it's very silly, but it's not a joke. Uh, so this client uh, was basically threatening his psychiatrist was trying to damage his reputation um like actually like legitimately very nasty intrusive actions towards his therapy towards his psychiatrist his this client and his family or just the client uh just the client i okay. think uh so the therapist the psychiatrist is a uh, paul conti and um <clears throat> He says that, like, the parents are also at fault. Um, the kid is just, like, a narcissist. And uh, his parents are very high profile, tons of money, just throwing money at this kid, not saying any boundaries. Uh, the child has been um, named John Doe. He gets, uh, like, private planes to his luxury getaways. Maybe he has a couple islands. Mm-hmm. And um, let me see. Uh, let me see. A quote from the lawsuit says the closest Doe's father came to setting boundaries was on one occasion for a limited period of time, prohibiting Doe 
from using one of his two Lamborghinis. Mm. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so many thoughts. I know. Uh, let me see. So it sounds like basically what happened is Conti has lost complete control of his client. Um, like the therapist-client relationship has been eroded because it sounds like the client is... Like, kind of harassing him. It sounds like a stalker-harasser situation. Yeah, and so Conti, as a psychiatrist, is trying to put boundaries on this kid for his own mental health. Uh, He is trying to wean his client off of Xanax, which can be an incredibly dangerous drug if misused. Sounds like his client still needs it, though. No? Well, I think his client needs something, but it sounds like maybe his client is trying to veer into drug abuse. Uh... And then Conti says that every time he like approaches the parents or in the child to like resolve this, uh, it just blows up in his face. He's worried that the family's going to target him, that there's going to be damage to his reputation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is actually a little unclear what the lawsuit actually says. Uh, so I'm going to be interested in seeing that because. Who knows? Maybe the psychiatrist is a diva as well. Could be. And it's just, just a clash of personalities. Uh, yeah. Could but be. if you think about it, you know, like the role of a psychi- psychiatrist or a therapist, you really are putting yourself out there to people who most of the time are very vulnerable, sometimes aggressive, aggressive and unstable. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds like this kid has the resources to um, maybe act on some of these impulses that could potentially harm the psychiatrist and his reputation. And we, I, we don't know exactly how old Doe is, right? Over 16, he's driving cars. It sounds like he's maybe like in his like 20s, college age, maybe a te- like late teens. Well, then your psychiatrist can't have you committed if you're of age. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. It's crazy. But like just this headline alone, like psychiatrist sues bratty kid. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have to talk about this. Yes, yes queen. Uh, so we might be uh, smudging the details a little bit. Please read up on this yourself. Um, but yeah, we live in a world. We live in. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We live in a world. Uh, so anyway, just to counteract some Jeffrey Epstein. um, there, maybe there should be like real psychiatrists of New York City, like reality TV show. Oh God, I can't take another reality show. Although I do, I do watch a couple. I have to admit, I'm going to pitch this. <laughs> I know people. It was wild. There was like one moment at a production company I used to work at where they said that they were looking at doing more reality TV shows and were open for pitching. Mm-hmm. And my friend and I just like sat in the back and were like, "What if?" We find two turtles that fall in love. <laughs> and we capture relationships via tweet. Right. Just like crazy. Yeah. I mean, they'll <laughs> put anything on television. But no, I would totally work on, I would totally book for, book one of these shows with. Yeah. <laughs> Don't they have, isn't there like lady doctors or doctor's wives or something? Medic. Isn't there something oh, I've been getting really into Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> Oh, that's right. She has her own show now. It's very satisfying. I not for a half hour. Sometimes it it takes a while. You gotta like pop those cysts. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Megan hasn't had enough. uh, I 
I my tall boy. I haven't even started in on my tall boy yet. Um, well, I have a lighthearted one too. Um, so uh, the New York Post published this little article about um, Airbnb snafu forced lawyer to sleep on Manhattan Park bench says lawsuit. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. A new <laughs> a New Jersey lawyer named Joseph Rakowski. First of all, keep in mind that he's from New Jersey, right? Okay. Says um, that on Labor Day weekend he was supposed to stay at a Soho apartment for twelve days, but the host didn't respond to him on his check in day. Um, after a dispute over a, a change in his booking that would have increased the cost of the stay by about 600 bucks. So he had to find last minute accommodations, <laughs> which is like very hard in New York actually. Through the app, but they but the app wouldn't cover the cost. They said that they'd help him pay for a halfsies of a hotel room up to $300. Jersey though, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Right. This is in Jersey or is this This in- is in Manhattan. Okay. He lives, he lives in New in, Jersey. But did he live like within commuter different distance? And he's just being stubborn. Anybody in New Jersey is in commuter distance from Manhattan. Wow. Three hour train ride. You don't have I to. I don't know. That's kind of like if I went down to D.C., that's a three hour train ride. Right. But it's better than sleeping on a park bench, isn't it? And cheaper. But how do you not find. All right. Honey. There are plenty of hotels in Bushwick. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. The guy's. No common sense, but I'm reading this because I have another reason I thought I'm reading this. So in his lawsuit, he explains that he was stranded in Manhattan on a national holiday weekend and that because he was deprived of the ability to book the hotel room in advance, um, the cost of the room was prohibitively expensive and uh, he was forced to sleep on the street, exposed to the harsh elements in September, harsh elements, noise and violence. He says, was there any violence? He says, some unknown person assaulted and battered plaintiff by throwing a rock at plaintiff's head, causing him to bleed and fall to the ground, thereby injuring his back and neck. Um, I'm a little skeptical of this he, guy. He filed a police report. But the report says it was a pebble. <laughs> Minor injury. And he refused medical treatment. So, Joseph Rakowski. Now, I read this article because back in 2011, I had the good fortune of working on a lawsuit that he filed against the entire internet for reporting on his bad lawyering. Oh. <laughs> yes. He sued the internet. The entire internet, I swear. I don't even know how you do that. Okay, so in 2011, April of 2011, he was representing... Uh, a defendant in D.C. Superior Court for a 2008 murder. He had no experience trying a case, let alone murder cases. The judge was forced to declare a mistrial because the judge says um, uh, Rakowski exhibited numerous signs that he lacked proper trial procedure including telling the jury in his opening statements that he had not ever tried a case. He hired an investigator who then filed paperwork saying that Rakowski was trying to get him to trick an old lady 
into lying on the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the investigator filed that paperwork because Rakowski refused to pay him because he wouldn't trick the old lady into lying on the stand. Oh, for you. Now, once blog, legal bloggers got a hold of this case, it exploded all over the internet. New York Times, New York Post, Daily News, Wall Street Journal, like everybody. So Rakowski decides to file a lawsuit naming anybody and everybody that reported on his bad lawyering. Right. So when this little article about the Airbnb snafu came to my attention, I was most pleased this week (laughs) and spread it around to the colleagues that I have that helped uh, try the case or were litigate the case we didn't try it we got dismissed oh my god Mm -hmm. this guy he's the he's it's like he's like guys i need a career change i'm just gonna sue new york i'm gonna sue this squirrel that threw an acorn at me yep yep he's suing airbnb the uh and i think the apartment owner i mean i can kind of understand being upset at airbnb uh actually my parents had an Airbnb booked in New York and they had trouble kind of like what he was saying where there was some sort of like last minute change and they had to switch their accommodations. Fortunately, my parents aren't crazy people and did not sue and were able to work things out. Well, maybe they had some common sense and went and found alternative accommodations somewhere else and then fought Airbnb or none of this makes any sense. It makes no sense. I just love the <laughs> pebble. And I also love the logic of him being like, my Airbnb didn't work out and hotels are $500 because in Manhattan, I'm going to sleep on a park bench. Right. I'm just kind of like, there are so many other you things booked, you can do. You say you booked this apartment for 12 days in Manhattan. That's not cheap. Like... God forbid you go to an outer borough to find a hotel room. You could just go back to Hoboken. There's hotels. The guy's a boob. Like a complete boob. I would just get like really wasted and then just fall asleep on a train. I Cheaper, right? (laughs) Inside, safer, away from the September elements. I've fallen asleep on the the subway before and everyone, they left me like two alone. Mm. Where it's like you wake up at the end of the line and you're like, what happened? I did that once too. Everybody. I was on the opposite end of the line from my house. <laughs> Boy, that was a long ride home. <laughs> I woke up and I'm just like, why is Coney Island? Oh, you had a girl's moment. <laughs> <laughs> did they do that on girls? Yeah, what's her name? Fell, uh, fell asleep on with her wedding cake. But then some, she did find that someone took her purse. No, I was good. I like... It's pretty amazing, I kind of do this, uh, kind of like this like koala hug. Mm-hmm. On my possessions. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like my first year in New York, too. So I was really paranoid. Right. Oh, those days. <laughs> oh, the freedom. The freedom so, of ignorance. <laughs> I'm so lazy now. I actually left my purse in a park the other day on accident. <laughs> Is that what that was about? Yes. <laughs> um, And these two really lovely women who actually work in the same building as me, but for a different company and on a different floor, they found it because this park is across the street from our office. And they got printer paper and wrote, like, Joanna P., we found your purse. Please call. And gave me, like, their office number. 
And they drew a little drawing of my coach purse and wrote like Aww. coach on it. Faith and humanity and restored. No, they plastered this park. It was on like every bench. It was so excessive, like 30 of these flyers. Oh my God. And so I didn't even realize I'd lost my purse until I saw the flyer. <laughs> and I called him like, I think you have my purse. Oh, child. And they run downstairs and they give me this giant hug. And they're like, we thought you'd been abducted. <laughs> and apparently they roped in. So these like Greenpeace canvassers are in front of our office, too, because I work in Chelsea. It's like this little tourist area. And so they like conspired with those guys. And they're like, OK, if she doesn't get back to us by 7 p.m., we're going to file a police report. Aww. And they tracked down my former boss who found me on Twitter and messaged me. And they're like, hey, Joanna. Been a few years since you were an intern here. Like, so-and-so has your purse. Someone found your purse. I love it. It was insane. Um, Someone found my cell phone like when I had the old flip, like, way back in the day. uh And they scrolled through and found mom and called mom. And then my mom called my brother, who I was living with at the time. My brother's like, someone found your phone. It's really wonderful how New Yorkers will go out of their way. But, I mean, if you're, like jerk lawyer from wherever sleep on a bench and you get a pebble thrown at you and decide to sue no sympathy no nope that is just isn't that a rich story <laughs> i was so pleased when i saw that it's like you haven't changed a bit we should have um an episode where we just do like rich people crimes we could have a whole episode and go over the website the blog over lawyered or above the law so good <laughs> so good Lawyers behaving badly. Let me see if I find another. I think all my other ones are like kind of serious. Oh, this one's kind of funny just because NYPD ineptitude. <clears throat> so last Sunday, uh, the NYPD had arrested a man suspected of robbery. And literally while he's on the way to like central booking, they're like at a stoplight or something. He pops the door open and just runs away. <laughs> possible do they have handles on the door back there? i just like don't even know uh but this guy i think is still at large i i'm so confused i didn't think they had handles on the back doors maybe he jumped through a window uh oh, but he there's like very few details in this story um literally it's like one of those three sentence articles and it's like crime stoppers i guess but also good job man i mean <laughs> resourceful young man I'm just like how do you do that uh but uh yeah so let me see robbery suspect is in the back of a police car uh he got out of the vehicle at uh shimmerhorn and atlantic avenue and just bolted at 11 30 a.m good for him after being arrested okay. uh they're still looking for a monday night <laughs> i don't know man i <laughs> like, mean i mean It's like an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Seriously. <laughs> it's right near that building that they use, too. Oh, maybe they were, like, taking him out of the car and he bolted or, like, hopped over the police. Really? So he wasn't handcuffed? He, you can't run after a handcuffed man? Like, uh, Maybe he, like, dislocated his thumb. Uh, I still, boobs. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else brought you joy today in the criminal justice oh, circuit? Oh, God. Um, not a lot. Not a lot. Oh, R. Kelly. This is good. This is good. So the New York Daily News, our favorite, 
uh, reports that musician R. Kelly is floating a variation on the theme that he deserves bail. Now arguing he's too famous and feeble to be a flight risk. Just let that sink in for a minute. Famous and feeble. (laughs) He filed a new motion on Monday in Brooklyn Federal Court claiming he needs medical care for an untreated condition and couldn't live on the lamb because someone would recognize him. Uh, isn't one of the reasons why he was divide, de, why he was denied bail is because he's powerful enough that people would cover for him like they've been covering for him for the past 20 years? Ding, 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 ding. You win the prize. Yes. Yes. So his ailments include numbness in his hand, anxiety, and an untreated hernia. Oh, for the love of God. Everyone <laughs> in prison has an untreated hernia. I'm pretty sure like most of New Yorkers have an untreated hernia <laughs> and anxiety. So move on. It's like, I was seeing on my hand funny, and now it's numb. Um, excuse me. Did the judge laugh at him? Please yes, tell me. Yes, the judge did laugh at him. Um, um, he's also got uh, a 13-count federal indictment in Chicago. So they're waiting. Chicago's waiting to get their hands on him, and so is Minnesota. But um, uh, at the time he did a no-show in Minnesota, it's because... He was in Chicago and Chicago wouldn't transfer him for the one charge because he was scheduled to show up in Brooklyn. The Minnesota is just waiting to get their hands on him, too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Anxiety and an untreated hernia. I'm too feeble. We need to get R. Kelly and that lawyer to pair up. They'd be <laughs> unstoppable. I know, right? God. Oh, God. So that brought me a little bit of joy. I can laugh at that fool. Um, I have something oh, much darker. Uh, so maybe you want to do something a little lighthearted? Uh, I don't necessarily have any lighthearted ones. Mine are all like proud rage. I'll do some rage. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so on Tuesday, we had a climate change march, uh, which. Yes, I know they went right by my office. Oh, Yeah. That's exciting. Citizen reported crowds around a green boat. It's <laughs> like, okay. Did you, uh, was it, did it, did it look fun and interesting covered in blood? I didn't <clears throat> really. I'm not really a marcher. I'm a money giver. Yeah. Uh, when I was working on the documentary on um, gay rights, I sifted through just like hours of protest footage mm-hmm. from ACT UP, which is an AIDS organization. Mm-hmm. And watching folks like Diane's, it like gives you chills. It is and, creepy. It's very creepy and powerful. Uh, so this was organized by Extinction Rebellion. And uh, I have to say, I think that this protest was very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very visually striking. Um, I'm actually irritated because it was in front of my old office. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, they did not get to the... The, the teens, <laughs> they're staying out near Wall Street. And uh, so a couple of demonstrators just poured fake blood on that charging bowl. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, they, let me see, we're using red paint. This is around 1030 in the morning. A Columbia student, Arthur Boyle, 24, was arrested. Uh, two other people um, were able to get away. 
And uh, one of the protesters talked to reporters and he said, you know what? Like the Democratic means no longer work. We have called our Congress people. We have voted. Uh, we have marched in the streets. Nothing is working. And so they're starting to escalate their their tactics. And I yeah. think that at this point, uh, that's where we might be at. We are at worshiping a 16-year-old with a, a more powerful message than our politicians are at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's mad about it, too. Like, she's mad that she's the one that everybody's listening to. She should be in school instead of traveling around the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, of course, in true New York fashion, 96 protesters were arrested. Yep. And they were arrested for blocking traffic um, on Broadway near the Charging Bull. And uh, the protesters were uh, carrying, like, horse skulls labeled your necks, black shouted coffins that say our future on it, tombstones. That sounds uh, like my house. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Uh, tombstone that read, swept away by the next Sandy... And then, like, your name here, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like R.I.P. Right. I found that one particularly striking because uh, my hometown of Houston was uh, devastated by Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. And um, being from the Gulf Coast, uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, like, 100-year floods are now seasonal. Right. And uh, New York is not immune to this either. I know. Yeah, you live out... Um, Probably in an area where that's a lot more concerning I'm as gonna, well. I'm going to need a canoe. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, like I am really proud of protesters who, who are willing to physically put their bodies on the line, get arrested uh, to to carry their message. And I mean, it sounds kind of insane, but like these images do actually work. Yeah. You know, not um, just propaganda. No, like. It should be unsettling to us, mm-hmm. you know, and it should stick our, in our minds and make us think a bit more about it. I think Jane Fonda got arrested yesterday at a climate march. She's still at, she's still active. <laughs> she's crazy. At 82, I mean, or I think. I, I mean, just, I don't know what to do with her. Sometimes. But she's, she's like this grand dame in this gorgeous red outfit. It's like, you know. Yeah. Del- Screaming on top of a car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to give a shout out to the protesters, especially since um, I am not really a protester. I'm a money giver. I need to work on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a money giver and a bumper sticker user. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a car? No. Where do you put your bumper stickers? Anywhere else I want. Yeah. Yeah. I have some in my office. I have some in my apartment. I need to get more on that. I think I'm just like, I'm like a Facebook sharer. I guess I have a radio show. We have a radio show. You have a platform. <laughs> you have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was, that really stuck out to me. Um, I also have a uh, Brooklyn man who was acquitted of a robbery after being in jail for three years because he couldn't pay bail. Ah, Well, it's not because he couldn't pay bail. It's he had, he was on parole. But it took three years for them to go to trial. Wait a minute. I'm confused. Okay. Back up. Convicted of? Mike Colon uh-huh. was convicted of a couple of robberies years ago. Okay. He did his time. Uh-huh. He was out on parole for literally like a few months. Okay. And then he so happened to be in the same area as another robbery. Ah, okay. And so. so they uh, picked him up. 
police pick him up. They run his background. They see that he has a history of robberies. They throw him in Rikers for three years. Waiting. Yeah. A trial. And uh, so Colin uh, refused to take a plea deal. Good for him. Uh, the plea deal uh, was misdemeanor for uh, time served. And that would he's, have broken his parole. Yes. And that would have sent him in anyway. Yeah, I, I guess I'm so. Sure. I'm not quite sure how that all works, but yeah, like it would have been like quite bad for him. He was in prison since like the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. So like he is like, fuck this. I'm not going to prison again, especially not for something I didn't do. Right. I mean, that even if he pled guilty <laughs> and it would have been time served, it still would have broken his parole and they would have sent him back for another yeah. whatever, whatever was left on his original sentence, at least. So he decided to fight it. And I think it's unconscionable that it took three years for it to go to trial. And then when they finally went to trial, the police had like nothing. Right. Uh, they said that they uh, targeted him because um, <clears throat> they were able to ping a stolen cell phone that showed like his position. But get this. Uh, so he was uh, underneath like an elevated subway track. So I'm not sure if this is the location, but say he's at like Myrtle Broadway and you're like walking on the street underneath the M train. So the um, his defense attorney was like, what if the guy who stole the phone was on the subway platform? It would have pinged you in the same location because yeah. it doesn't show depth. Right. They could have just passed each other. He didn't even have a phone when they picked him up. What the fuck? I know. Oh, well, we're just going to pick him up because, you know, he's a ro- he he did time for robbery, but we don't have a cell phone. He was in the general area. We're lazy. We don't really want to do our jobs it was like correctly. Nothing. Just get him off the street and stick him in Rikers, and yeah, that's fucked up. And Rikers is not pleasant. Oh. You know, like people go to Rikers for a few years, like innocent people, and they get out and they, uh, and they PTSD they kill themselves. They yeah, it's just awful. I know. PTSD. You know. Did you did you know that there's a jail barge floating in the Hudson? No, I read that there was some sort of like prison gal situation, but I didn't realize that it was. It's still there and active. We should cover that. I read something about that. Do you have that. any I'll... just details just for the moment? I don't remember what it's. I think it's called Bane, and it's not. And it's up. It's up by like Inwood, right? So it's up by like Bronx, but whatever. That's so it's, gross. It holds like six hundred prisoners, and it's basically like a. It it looks like a container ship converted with the containers in it. I was reading one of these guys had been in there for, I don't know, 18 months or whatever. And it's just metal rooms locked, like no outside spaces for them to go to. It's sweltering in the summer, freezing in the winter. Like it's, it's like Victorian. I will, I will look it up so we can talk about it next week. I was just like, what the fuck? He called it a slave ship because that's, you know, no windows, dark rooms piled on top of each other. That's, horrifying i wish there's more we could do and they're talking about getting rid of it under the new jail reforms you know like the rikers plan whatever but i'm like how did i not even know this existed it needs to have gotten rid of like yesterday it was supposed to it was supposed to be a temporary thing for the 90s overcrowding oh well nothing's temporary not in new york city not in the criminal justice Except for the l train the l train's temporary please don't say that Mm. oh that's dark I just don't even. <clears throat> I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. All time. right. Well, hit me with more. Okay. I can take it. How much time do we got? Uh, about 10 more, five Ooh. more minutes, maybe, because okay. I think that there's going to be a show after us, so we need to skedaddle. Okay, well, I'm just going to breeze through the Chinatown attack um, uh, last Saturday morning. Uh, what's his name? Blip, blip, blip. Uh, Randy Santos, Rodriguez Randy Santos, attacked five men in Chinatown, and this really hit home for me because one of them was um, half a block around the corner from my old apartment. I used to live there. So a couple of them were on Doyer Street, a couple of them were on East Broadway, and uh, he attacked all of them with a metal pipe, beat them all, beat four of them to death. One of them survived in the hospital. Um, he, Randy Santos, is 24 years old. He's been charged. He was indicted yesterday. He's been charged with all five, four murders, one attempted murder, assaults, blah, blah, blah. Um, he has a serious, he has a series of, arrests um 14 to be precise uh he has a series of men- a, a history of mental illness he's homeless himself um the uh neighborhood homeless men um uh, all know him he walks around pointing at other homeless men screaming you're gonna die you're gonna die mm-hmm. yeah um and but they also said that the, all the other local guys that hang out down there are like, look, if I mean, if he had a chance to get in your house, he'd do it to you too. It's not, it's, he wasn't necessarily targeting homeless men and they were just easy targets. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about the mental illness thing because I really, you know, mm-hmm. and we brought it up in our, in the last show as yeah. well. So, um, the Manhattan District Attorney had a number of chances to, uh, put this guy in jail. Not that it's going to help him because uh, we all know that uh, the jails don't do anything for mental illness. Um, so in April of, of 2018, he was in court on an assault charge for slugging a man in the face. Um, he act, acted up in court whistling. He had kicked a bailiff. Um, the court officer escorted him into the hallway he went berserk and tried to reenter the courtroom, which landed him in cuffs. And again, he's kicking people that are pa- just passing by. Mm-hmm. Um, he was later released. Uh, it was so then he was charged further with resisting arrest, obstruction, cuffed to a bench, and then he was later released on five hundred dollars cash bail. Huh. Right. So, um, a number. Of, there's been a number of other charges, all related to uh, violence and mental illness. Now. When the a Queens lawmaker uh, who was at a meeting, his name is Robert Holdman, was at a meeting for Thrive NYC, which is Sherlane McRae, our wonderful fucking first lady's mental health initiative. He asked them, why were all of these warning signs ignored? Mm-hmm. Now, McRae wasn't there, but she did respond to the questions later. And she said, Thrive NYC is a success because of its very existence. And she said, um, she, she insisted that the teams of social workers and therapists would never even have been deployed to the help the homeless people in Chinatown if it weren't for her. I mean, I. It's not a success because of its very existence. One. And put your ego aside. 
Well, it's just it's infuriating. I get where she's coming from, though. And that just makes me really upset because our mental health system is just so terrible that even attempting to solve the problem is like taking a big leap. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is kind of disgusting that it is so. It's just a glib dismissal of what actually happened. Yeah. And that's really infuriating. Jeez. And she's usually a bit smarter than that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I just remember this one time I was in the emergency room and uh, the person sitting next to me uh, was homeless with some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And he clearly was like a regular at the ER. Sure. And so it's kind of like whenever things got to a point, he would just kind of wander in. They'd like give him a shower and let him sleep there for the night and then release him. And he's like saying hi to all the nurses. And they all know who he is. And they're bringing him like his favorite sandwich and stuff. Right. And uh, it was like frustrating to watch. You could see it on the doctor's face of being kind of like, there's nothing we can do. Right. You know? Right. Um, drive NYC is weird too. I don't know much about it. I just. Uh... I mean, I do know that we need to do more as a, as a city and as a state for our, our homeless population. And we also, I mean, I do acknowledge that there are some homeless folks that don't need or want the help necessarily. Um, but um, to to respond to a situation where four men have lost their lives, one is going to be severely um, uh, physically incapacitated with those kinds of statements, I don't think are reflective of what the mayor and his wife should be saying or addressing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't particularly like the mayor and his wife anyway. So I'm, uh, my opinion is quite slanted. Fair enough. Uh, Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Okay. Are there people out there? I no. I heard the door open, but. Anyway, um, I think it's time to wrap it up, wrap it up, drink my coffee. You want a tall boy for the road? Oh, no, I'll fall asleep on the sidewalk. Well, I mean, I mean, like, put it in your purse (laughs) and save it for later. (laughs) I'm good, but I appreciate the thought. I am not much of a drinker. I know. (laughs) You're like, I'm committed to the cause. (laughs) I have brunch plans after this with some college friends. And they're going to wreck me, I'm sure. I'm going to go home and take a nap. Mm. Oh, sounds lovely. I know. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us at Crime Talk BK. Uh, join us next week. We are on every week from 11 a.m. to noon with your latest criminal justice news. Bye. Later days. And we're back on the air because I accidentally shut down the YouTube channel with the song I was supposed to be playing. I know. I'm a wreck this morning.
So I'm just going to talk to you for a few more moments so that we uh, don't have dead air. Your mic's actually off. Um, Megan. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. A healthy diet is hard. Commercial, so we're not going to play that either. I'm going to cry. Murder by numbers. Once that you've decided on a killing First you make a stone of your heart And if you find that your hands are still willing Then you can turn a murder into art There is 